0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of our new podcast called Spill It. It's all about YA literature. I'm Catherine. I'm the teen services librarian for the Gwinnett County Public Library. And now I'll turn it over to the others so they can introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Sarah, a youth services specialist. And I'm Patty. I am the youth services manager. Okay, we'll start off by talking about what we do like to read. It's probably easier for me to tell you what I don't like to read. But my favorites are probably fantasy like retellings or like twisted or fractured fairy tales. Right now, I'm reading a lot of mystery, suspense, and thrillers because as part of the Georgia Peach Award Reading Committee, I'm reading those because nobody else seems to want to. (laughs) You sound (laughs) thrilled. (laughs) Yeah. But I've actually kind of grown to love them, so
1: I'm really into the YA mystery right now.
0: What about you, Sarah?
1: I usually don't read a lot of YA literature, but... Uh, the ty- kind of genres I like. I do like um thrillers, suspense, horror, fantasy. My favorites are dystopians or uh, post-apocalyptic type stories. and I try to avoid mysteries like the typical like who done it mysteries. and I'm not big on like straight up romance. I don't mind my stories to have some romance in them, but like the... You know what I'm talking about, the covers with the half-naked people on it.
0: Well, luckily with YA, you don't get a lot of half-naked people on the covers. <laughs>
2: not, ge- not generally. That's, that's frowned upon in the YA world. I
1: guess it would be. But I don't read those in the adult world either. They can be fun. I mean, yeah. I just That's not the kind of book I pick up. Also, I'd like to point out, Sarah's reading YA because we make her... That's true. But I've got some definite <laughs> opinions about it. So
2: I tend to read fantasy and sci-fi. I enjoy a good mystery. I have read so many mysteries, like adult mysteries, that I, I find it hard to switch back into the YA mystery sometimes. Like it's it's it has to be a really good one to like hook me. But I also read a lot of graphic novels. Those are that's my jam. And I read a lot of fanfic, which I can't believe I'm admitting in public because that's something you wouldn't have admitted ever like 10 years ago, but it's definitely influenced what I choose to read in books because I tend to read for tropes more than I read for specific genres. So like I love found family. Oh my God, give me a group of people who come together and realize that they are better together and they are family and that's... I will read that in any genre. It doesn't matter. I also really have like competency kink. I like people who are competent and doing their job well. And it also ties in with that found family where people who are good at one thing but aren't good at another find someone who's good at that other thing and they make themselves better by it. Like, I love that. I think that's why I like Marvel comics too, because it tends to be, I like the team stories and people coming together as a team. I like a little bit of romance. You know, that's always fun. That's kind of where I am with what I like and like if I think about my favorite books they all definitely fall under that like I really like The Raven Cycle by Maggie Stiefvater which is a found family of course and I really like oh I also really like stories that have threads that all come together so like there's stories that like are you know like how does this all tie together and then they all it all ties together into like a a great story at the end. Stop talking. (laughs) I know
0: I also said it would be easier to tell you what I don't like to read, and I didn't do that. So, so tell us tell what us I us don't, what don't like, like. Unfortunately, is uh, sci-fi. I love fantasy, but once you throw some aliens in the mix, I'm out. Re- well, unless it's no. Star Wars,
1: I'm down for aliens. do have I can't you got do against it. aliens, I don't Catherine? Know. I just don't like. I don't like sci-fi that gets too sciency, where You're my like brain starts to hurt. Technical, trying to figure out like what they're talking about, and no, I'm not enjoying myself anymore. But an alien, yes. I don't
0: know. How is an (laughs) alien different from
1: a dragon? I don't know. Dragons are cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They breathe (laughs) fire. Uh, They have magical powers. I don't know. Okay,
2: so I got a book in a book box, and I have literally no idea what it is about. The Ashfall Legacy by the Pitacus lore guy, and it's it's aliens, but on the cover, on the artwork on the back, there's something that looks like a dragon, and I'm like, are aliens dragons? I have to read this one. I just got it. They can be anything.
0: Also, dragons, I know now I'm on a dragon kick, but they tend to be snarky, which I really like because I tend to be snarky. So you're saying aliens can't be snarky? I guess they can. They're not usually written snarky, though. Well, maybe I don't read enough aliens. Yeah, you haven't I, read the. Right have book. you not like Have you not read the book we're talking about this week? I know. I thought about that just as I started saying I don't like aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm also not a huge uh, fanfic fan. For lack of a better word. <laughs> you just haven't read the right fic. <laughs> Probably. But I mean, that's what we're trying to prove to Sarah, too. She hasn't read the
1: right YA. All right. Let me tell you all the reasons I don't like YA, and you guys can try to, try to prove me wrong.
2: Okay. Why don't you?
1: All right. I've got a list of my points. First of all, I think that sometimes, sometimes, not always, the writing in YA is not good challenging enough. I like to find vocabulary words that maybe I haven't come across before. Snob? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. But sometimes I feel like it's just a little too simplified. Now there's times when I enjoy that. There's times when I don't really want a deep read and sometimes YA can provide that as I've found in these last few weeks of reading YA books. But that's point one. I also find related to that, that often the plot points are predictable. As I've been reading through these YA books that you guys have assigned me, I've been writing down my predictions of what I think is going to happen. And I'm right at least 50% of the time, usually more. And it's not that I'm that super clever because I don't write books and come up with plot points, but I can see these things coming a mile away. A lot of times
0: yeah you can't see this but patty and i both
1: hard rolled our eyes <laughs> I, think,
0: I
2: think maybe we aren't giving her maybe we need to change up what we're giving her to read
1: maybe maybe or we'll to see i also have a complaint that so many ya books are part of a series and it's sort of annoying when i like look through the catalog and try to find a book and i realize oh i can't read this one even though it looks interesting because i haven't read the three that come before so i'll have no idea what's happening in this one
2: i I will agree with that one. Like I like series and I enjoy series, but I I do kind of long for just a standalone. I, I get really excited when I get a standalone fantasy or a standalone sci-fi YA book. Like and there definitely are some, but I will concede that
1: point. Yeah, because then when you end the book and there's and you really don't know the end, you've gotta wait till the next one. Ugh, annoying. Yeah.
0: I love that, though. Like, I'm mad when I get a standalone, and I'm like, but I want to know more. <laughs> I, I will admit, so I
2: just finished The Left-Handed Booksellers of London by Garth Nix, which I believe currently is a standalone. I don't know if he has plans to write more. And it, it does have an end. Like, it's it's a complete story. And I was like, but I, I want more in this universe. I really hope he writes more. So I say I want standalone until I really, really love it. Of it and really want more of the characters and then i'm like no i want this to be a series i think i think what you want is you want a complete story in a book i like, do yes so i
1: i understand that and i don't want to have to know the backstory of all these people to understand the book sad <laughs> <laughs> not that i've never read series because i certainly have but it just feels like there's a overwhelming amount of series when it comes to ya stories I was going to say I do like the trend of duologies that
2: has been, Mm -hmm. like, really big right now. So two books. You can commit to two
1: books. Yeah. I read a lot of books. I just don't want to have to, like, (laughs) ramp up to read a new book.
0: See, I like all the like character development and storyline development that can happen in a series because I like to get so involved in a story that I don't necessarily think about what's going on in my real world. Gotcha. What else don't you like about YA?
1: Well, I don't like how often there are characters that are willing to like they're in love and they're willing to die for each other and they've only known each other for like an hour and a half. I do get that. Yeah. And I feel like that is not healthy for the teen readers that are out there reading it as a relationship role model.
2: I guess but it's also been so long since I was a teenager and I, I, I vaguely remember because I'm god I'm old I vaguely remember that like when you're a teen and you meet someone and you're just like oh they're the best in the whole wide world and you just fall instantly in love.
1: Yeah I agree emotions run hotter and faster when you're younger than they do at my advanced age. <laughs> <laughs> We are not saying how old we are, by the way, but just know that it has been a
2: while since I was a teenager. Right.
1: So, yeah, and I understand, like, there's the appeal to the romance of that. Like, not only do we love each other, but we love each other. Like, we will literally give our lives for one another. So I get that passion, but it's also kind of annoying. Yeah. I was going to say hormones run
0: strong at that age. Right. And they feel everything so, so much, more. much and mm-hmm. so deeply that it speaks to them.
1: Also, if you're
2: reading a lot of dystopian, there's chances for people to die for each other. I'm like, what world <laughs> that, are you like willing to die for each other? Very good point.
0: Very good point. Yeah, that's true.
1: Most teens in this world
2: don't have the opportunity to die for each other.
1: Thankfully. All right. And then my my last thing on my list is that there, in YA literature, there are so many dead parents and missing parents and parents who are like out there somewhere but completely uninvolved. Of all of the books that I have read so far for this podcast, every single main character is missing at least one parent in one way or another. I want to know, is there a YA protagonist out there in the universe that has a complete family unit?
2: Yes, yes.
1: Okay, I haven't read those books yet.
2: Okay, we have to find those books and make her read them. <laughs> okay,
1: I consider this like the, the same thing that they do in Walt Disney movies, where if you watch the Walt Disney movies, often oftentimes those characters are missing either one or more parents. Or their parent gets ended in the movie. Right, right. There's a lot of people being orphaned. In the Disney movies. And I think that's because of the psychology of the people that those movies are for, where your biggest fantasy and your biggest fear when you're a young person is that you've got no parents. You would I love to have no parents because then you get to call the shots and do everything you want. And I get that. But you're also terrified because then you have to call the shots and be responsible for yourself. And you know you're not really ready for that
2: I think it has a lot to do with the plot it's really hard to have your kids go out and do some of these things when you have responsible parents responsible parents would be like what do you mean you have to go out and and start the revolution (laughs) sit down you're a child (laughs) you don't have to go save the world let the grown-ups do that maybe anyway those are my critiques so our plan is through this podcast to bring you around and
1: make you love YA you can try (laughs) (laughs) We'll get there eventually. Yes, we will. Yeah, I just haven't read the right book. Okay, so let's
0: briefly go around and say what we're currently reading. I'm actually reading two things right now. The one I'm listening to is Legendborn by Tracy Dion, and it is a retelling, actually, um, based on the King Arthur legends, and it's quite fantastic. It takes place here in the South at the University of North Carolina. I have just started that book, so I am about 30 pages into that book, and I'm really enjoying it. Okay, I was gonna say it would. I didn't love it at the very, very beginning. It took a little bit for it to like pick up. But in the story's defense, I had no idea it was a retelling because I never read the synopsis. It was just on the list of things I needed to read, and I had heard it was good. And it's harder to read a synopsis when you're reading audiobooks. it's not just right there. And then I'm reading Lost in the Neverwoods by Aidan Thomas. I really loved their first book, Cemetery Boys. This one is also kind of a retelling based on Peter Pan. And it's good, but I would not say it's going to be my favorite. But I'm only about halfway through, so things could change. What about you,
1: Sarah? Uh, Right now, I'm also reading two books. Um, One is a fantasy called The Merciful Crow by Margaret Owen. And it is a fantasy world where there's a strict hierarchy and uh, ranks in society that are all based on birds, which is kind of what brought me in. Because anytime you bring animals into the story, I am on board. And I'm enjoying that so far. But it's taking me a long time because this is the one that's on my phone. And I only read it in the middle of the night when I can't sleep. But I like it well enough so far. But we'll see. It's Also, guess what? She's missing a parent. Her main character is missing a parent. She is. It's shocking. I know. Uh, I know. Try to hold on to yourself.
2: It has just become (laughs) my job to find a book with both alive and involved parents. All right.
1: We'll see. And the other one I'm reading is A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, which is another uh, good fast read. She does have an absent father, but a really involved stepfather, so... Maybe she breaks my rule a little bit of no parents. But that's a good one, too. The only my only complaint about that one right now is it's written by a British author, but it's set in Connecticut. And she hasn't really changed some of the British uh, terms. And so she's got teenagers saying things like, well, she's not a proper or whatever. And I'm thinking there is no American teenager that would use the word proper or would say, I'm going to ring you up. Oh, no.
2: Yeah, no, that's. (laughs) So, this is something I'm very familiar with because I've read a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction. And way back in the day, you used to have someone who would have to Brit pick for you, who would have to like look it through and make sure that all of the stuff was like properly British. So, I feel like this woman needs someone to American pick her I think stuff. So. So what am I currently reading? Uh, Like I said I am about 30 to 40 pages into Legendborn which I am really enjoying. I think that's going to be a good one and then I just started again like maybe 10 pages into We Hunt the Flames by Hafsa Faisal which again I've heard so many good things about and they're both fantasies which again that I'm always going to pick up a fantasy and um, but I can't really say anything about whether I'm really enjoying them or or not because I've just started them
0: how about we
1: talk about the one that we've all read
0: each week we're gonna talk about a book that we've all read the book we chose for this week is Aurora Rising it's the first book in the Aurora cycle by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff the year is 2380, and the graduating cadets of Aurora Academy are being assigned their first missions. Star pupil Tyler Jones is ready to recruit the squad of his dreams, but his own boneheaded heroism sees him stuck with the dregs nobody else in the Academy would touch. A cocky diplomat with a black belt and sarcasm, a sociopath scientist with a fondness for shooting her bunkmates, a smart-ass tech whiz, with the galaxy's biggest chip on his shoulder, an alien warrior with anger management issues, a tomboy pilot who's totally not into him, in case you were wondering, and Ty's squad isn't even his biggest problem. That'd be Aurora Jilin O'Malley the girl he's just rescued from interdimensional space, trapped in cryo sleep for two centuries. Ori is a girl out of time and out of her depth, but she could be the catalyst that starts a war millions of years in the making, and Tyler's squad of losers, discipline cases, and misfits might just be the last hope for the entire galaxy. Nobody panic.
2: I love this book so much. <laughs> It hits all my buttons. Even just that description, I knew I was going to love this book because that is, oh my God, give me losers and misfits coming together to, to do something good. That's ah,
0: everything I want. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I said I didn't like aliens, but I actually ended up loving this book. These aliens are very humanoid aliens. Maybe that's what it is. They're snarky. They're
2: definitely snarky. I yeah, I
0: know. When I was just going through that description, I was like, yeah, an alien warrior with anger management issues. He definitely throws snark at
1: everyone.
2: Oh, but he, he's kind of snarky. That's Cal. But Finn, yeah. His,
0: his
1: automatic reaction to everything is sarcasm. Yeah, he's cracking jokes constantly.
0: Finn was the character that I least got into at first, but he Definitely grew on me towards the end. but So disclaimer, I have read all three of
2: these books. Uh, I will not spoil anything except the first one because we're probably going to have some spoilers as we talk about this first one. But I will say that by the end of the series, there is not one single character that I do not absolutely just love. I, I can't even pick a favorite. I would have said it was Finn because, oh, mm, yeah, but... I, to, I go through each one of them. I'm like, oh no, I love that one the best. No, I love, I love. Oh, mm, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot express how much I love these books.
1: <laughs> Let me ask you all: Does Aurora, the main character, have parental issues? Does she have parents? Are her parents alive? She's been trapped in Cirese oh, for two hundred years. Oh, she's an orphan. <laughs> what a surprise! Did you finish the book though? Well, I mean, I would definitely say she has some issues. There's a parent issue. But there's like a not a good relationship there. True. Definitely some parenting issues.
2: Well, okay, this is when we get into the spoilers. So (laughs) if you have not read these books, if you have not read this book, just be warned. I'm about to spoil something for you. When your dad becomes part of a collective, like, alien being, but still loves you enough to want you to be part of that collective alien being, do you see that as an issue? I mean... He does love her.
1: Yes, there's some issues. I think also because she had that big fight, they make a big deal about the fight she had before him, right before everything kind of blew up in her world. So they definitely have some things to work out. I mean, she's technically
0: also kind of possessed By another rival alien nation, I guess,
1: for lack of a better word. That's true. Do they require aliens to work out their problems? Do they need to be possessed by extraterrestrials to work it out? This is the question. I don't
2: think they're going to be able to work it out. Okay, so we all know what I love about this book and how I feel about this book because it's it's found family, it's competency because each one of these people even though they have their issues, it's very very good at their job. It like that description is a little misleading because it makes it sound like they're not good at what they do. They are
0: all extremely good at what they do. They just aren't good at people. I was going to say they, they aren't good at teamwork, at least in the
2: beginning. And I think what I love the most is how this group of people who are not people, people, (laughs) if that makes sense, they don't get along well with each other, how they do come together and how they do become a team. And that's something that I, I love watching that. So This is smart people doing smart things coming together, being a team. So, this is something like it's like
1: guaranteed for me to love it. I did appreciate the fact that this was a really fast paced story. I enjoy the writing style of hearing from different characters' points of view. So, every chapter was told from a different character's perspective. So, that's a really interesting way to tell the story. Not everything was horrible.
0: I will say, though, I did find this story a tad on the predictable side. Like, you could kind of tell where it was going, yeah. what was going to happen at the end, like yeah,
1: who wanted to agree to be with whom. Yeah,
0: and I could tell who certain people were going to be ahead of time. Right. But I still really loved it. It's probably one of my favorite science fiction series right now. Well, considering
1: you don't like science fiction, that's or saying aliens. a lot. I know. Yes, it is set in space, which is one of my favorite settings for stories, some sort of space place, whether it's another planet or a spaceship. I did used to read a lot of sci-fi, but I kind of fell out of it but
0: maybe this will bring me back in suck you back into the world i do like how they get what i really
2: appreciate about this book is because you were talking about that like insta love Mm -hmm. sort of problem Mm -hmm. they get around that issue by having cal be an alien and have this like thing that's just a thing that happens in their world like you're just like you meet that person like a soulmate sort of thing and what i appreciate about it is that ari isn't instantly in love with him she's like "Mm, right i think you're cool but okay like (laughs) You're a hottie, but I don't know if I'm, like, gonna devote myself to you instantly. I like that. And I like how in the future books they handle that relationship and how they do something without giving anything away. They do something that gives them time together so that they actually get to know each other. And, like, when that relationship develops and grows, it
1: doesn't come on instantly. Right. See, that's my favorite type. Like, I liked the relationship uh, between Tyler and Kat more. Yeah. Because I like those um, sort of, it's a friendship, but maybe it's more kind of relationships. That's that's what I enjoy reading about. Rather than the, like, I saw him across a crowded room and instantly. So you like a slow burn romance? I do like the slow burn romance, yes.
2: Okay. Well, the book is, like, all three books, I will say, are extremely fast paced they are very plot-driven. I also feel like in this book, because it's told from multiple points of view, everybody gets their own chapters, but you don't get a lot of Zila because Zila is very self-contained, and that's I like that the chapters kind of correspond to how their personalities are. So like some of the Zila chapters are like three sentences where she's thinking about how stupid everybody else is. Right. And so you, you get to know kind of what she's like, but without getting a lot of insight on her character. I know that one of my friends read this book and one of her complaints was she felt like there wasn't enough development of each character, and I will say that that is something that comes out in the later books. Like it really is one story that's been divided into 3 books, and that is your series problem. <laughs> so do we get more of Zila in the other books? Oh, yes, you do. Okay. She is fantastic. Good. And yeah. you find out kind of you get her backstory and kind of why she is the way she is. And you get a lot more perspective on, on all of them. Actually, I really like that this book, I feel like you get to know Tyler and Ari and Kat really well. And the other characters are there and you get their perspectives on things, but you don't get to really know them. And then in the second book, you get to really know Finn and Cal and Scarlet and Zila to some point. But Zila really shines in the third book. That's where she really comes into her own. I do think it's interesting, again, without wanting to give too much away, love and relationships between people becomes very central to the plot and integral to the plot not not in that like romance kind of way in that way that you you love your friends and you love your family and just
0: love in general becomes very important and i i like that the whole tyler cat thing though like cuz what happens at the end of the book i really want cat to be saved but i don't know i know you know what's going to happen but I, that, like, kind of devastated me. I, <laughs> she was my favorite. That was oh. where, I, where
1: I felt like this is um, not what I thought would happen. Yeah. So, yeah, my but. predictions would have been wrong in that case. All right, What right. Let's do where you talk about the first impressions of this, of your books. Would you, based on just the cover, pick that book up and read it? Should we describe the cover? All right. It's got a character, presumably Aurora, on the front, and she's looking at the reader. There's a purpley star field behind her and some constellations. And she clearly has one eye that's sort of glowing that is reflected also in the sun kind of either rising or setting on the title words Aurora rising. Impressions?
2: Okay, so I would pick it up solely on the fact that I love the color purple and it's very purpley. It is very purpley. <laughs> <laughs> It would definitely make me, it made me stop and go, huh, okay, what's this book about? And then I think it has a pull quote on the cover.
0: They're not the heroes we wanted. They're just the ones we could find.
2: See that? That right there. That hooked me.
1: Like, oh, because you love the collective. I
2: do. I, I love a collective. I love a story about losers and misfits saving the world. I always have. Even even my TV is like that like I love Leverage and Stargate Atlantis and The Expanse and
0: again I'd, it's all about team I do love the cover it's pretty and purple yeah it's very graphically pleasing I also really love the font for Aurora Rising but I might not have read it just based on the cover just because it is very spacey even though I mean I love space myself but I don't get to travel through space so just a bummer. But maybe I should read it so that I can travel through the stories.
2: <laughs> it's like, I can't relate. I've never been to space. <laughs>
0: I guess I've never met a dragon either. Like. Uh, or an alien dragon. Back in the day, though, as a teenager, I would have totally picked this
1: up.
2: I also really like and appreciate that Aurora is half Asian and that mm-hmm. that is an important part of her
1: culture. Story, history,
2: personality, persona, not sure with word, but it's an important part of her world, her life, her character,
1: her character. Thank you. And I, I do like the art, but there's the part of me that is like, is this going to be too sci-fi-y um, when I look at the cover? And I uh, think the font that you like is what is making me feel that way.
2: Really? Hmm. See, I think the pull quote keeps it from
1: being too sci fi
2: Anything that's, like, that sarcastic, like, on the cover tells me that book's going to have some sarcastic aliens in it.
1: But I do think that based on the cover, I don't know if I would have, like, run to this book. But I think the inside, the story is better than the cover. And it moves really fast. And it's not too, like, heavily bogged down in... If you're thinking to yourself, I don't like sci-fi and whatever, it's not too bogged down in, you know... The space-time continuum and things like that.
0: Technical details. Right. I did actually choose to read this book. It wasn't an assigned title, but I think it was more to do with the authors. I had seen the authors speak recently at a conference, and they were very entertaining. So now we're at the part of the episode we're going to assign a title for everyone to read. This week it's my turn, and I have picked The Girls I've Been by Tess Sharp. It's a mystery thriller, very suspenseful, I think. In this one, we have a daughter of a con artist who has taken hostage in a bank heist. And that's okay. all I'm going to say.
1: All right.
0: All right. I'll read this.
2: Like, that sounds good. I do like con artists.
1: I like heists. I, oh, I love a
2: heist.
0: And I think I love a heist because most heist novels have a team. I will say I did not find this one predictable. I did not know what it was going to be at the end. Thank
2: you for listening to the first episode of Spill Lit from the Gwinnett County Public Library. Be sure to tune into our next episode where we talk about The Girls I've Been by Tess Sharp and whether we liked it or not, and a little bit more about our reading habits. In the meantime, you can always like, review, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Keep reading.